We've got to find Riku and King Mickey. But, uh, where do we start looking for that there door to the light? So, you know what should become a standard feature in games? What? Uh, the ability to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> because I've been playing, you know, some more open-worldy games lately, mm. and there's always, you know, like, benches or chairs or seats, like, modeled in the environment, and they just look so comfy and... The artists went through all this work to make sure that they function as they should, but you can't even enjoy them. You you just have to stand there awkwardly and watch all the NPCs just taking a load off and resting their their tuckus. And it makes me a little sad for my main character that they just have to stand on their feet constantly. <laughs> I just imagine after like 30 hours, you've partially saved the world very weary and dreadful and there's yep. an old couple sitting on a bench and there's a perfectly good space next to them but as you go to sit down no you can't you're, like weary at, your weary legs will continue to be weary yeah so like in some games you can kind of cheese it like if you have a crouch button or like hide behind cover and like Something that kind of, like, prompts your character to, like, hunch over. You'd be like, is this what sitting's like? But no, it's it's not the same. How does how does one sit? Hmm. <laughs> but then you have games like, um, well, Animal Crossing, naturally. But uh, you remember when Pokemon X and Y was revealed? And in the trailer, they revealed bench sitting action. <laughs> yes. I remember the good old days. And it blew our minds. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just... I feel like we've reached a day and age where video game characters should be allowed to sit, especially with the advent of, like, photo modes and whatnot. Like, mm -hmm. you want them to actually blend into the environment instead of just being this awkward, standing, stiff robot that's clearly detached from everyone else in the world. Exactly. Yeah, so as soon as you mentioned sitting, I was like, my first thought was photo mode. Yep. Because, you know, you want to make things real pretty. Give me my sitting simulator. That's all I want. <laughs> We got all this horsepower and the next-gen consoles, but you still can't render a sitting character. This is what the, this is what the people truly, truly needed. So, uh, welcome everyone to Kingdom Hearts by Heart, uh, episode 20, episode mm. XX. Yeah, we made it! Yeah, so this is gonna be a more relaxed episode, uh... It's basically, we're just going to kind of, you know, summarize our journey so far and, you know, take a look back on Kingdom Hearts as a game and kind of wrap up our thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, so, welcome to the, the hackneyed uh, post-epilogue uh, talk show episode. Definitely didn't just plan this so that we didn't end on episode 19, because that's <laughs> a weird number. No, this is, this is authentic content. <laughs> welcome to The Talking Dead. I'm your host, Chris Hardwick. 
basically. Yeah. No, no, but I, I, I do think that it, uh, it would behoove us to kind of take a step back and just, yeah, go over the game in general. Uh, we did that at the very start, but now that we're fresh off a playthrough, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of our views have changed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this will be the the overview episode, the bold wrap on top. But uh, before before we get to that discussion, we have to go through this discussion. Yep. At the game corner. So yeah, if you you know if you want to get right to the meat and potatoes, uh, check out the timestamp and the description. I keep forgetting to plug that, but that is a thing. If you know you're in a hurry and you just want to get to you know some some Kingdom Hearts discussion, we won't begrudge you for that. But uh, if you like to play other games, maybe you want to hear our thoughts on those. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, what have you been playing this past week? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question, Mega Man. I actually am sticking with my playthrough of Fire Emblem Fates Conquest. Oh, ooh. So I am I'm actually probably... I just want, I want Conquest to be done with because I, as a, some of my Fire Emblem friends have pointed out, I have a very, very bad habit of starting a Fire Emblem game and then never finishing it. I'm sure a lot of people go through that. I said I'll, I'll get through Conquest just so I don't, I don't have to come back to it. Will you conquer Conquest finally? Oh, uh, eventually. I, uh, quest I left on whenever I, whenever I stopped playing the game, it's kind of a dumb premise, or at least coming back to it and being like, this is dumb, I don't like it. You fight against enemies who use illusions, so it kind of sucks because on your turn, on the player phase, you can't hurt these units, like you can't walk up to a dude and hit him. You have to wait until the enemy phase for them to move and then hit you to be like, ah, they're real! So, mm. literally, I'm just, like, moving my... I remember just bunching all my units together, being like, the enemy will come to me! And then having one person die, and then be like, ah! And then I just said, screw it, and I, re- I restarted. Uh, I'll make comments on when Fates is d- uh, Conquest is done, and they'll be positive, or not so positive. Probably more of the latter. Mm. I did finally jump back into Monster Hunter, so I'm just trying to get to the end of the key quests... Basically, so nothing too, nothing too fancy. And then, okay, all so far this weekend, and for the continuation of this weekend, uh, I have a PAX Pokemon on PAX Pokemon League Online 2 Electric Boogaloo, as I only refer to it as. So, I spent I spent most of spent most of yesterday taking challengers, and uh, oh, nice, it was it's fu- look, it's fun. That's the reason to do it. It's fun. It's fun for them. It's fun for me. This equation equals fun. Do they have what it takes to be the very best this new generation? <laughs> so far, probably. <laughs> okay, that's good. Our, our fates are in their hands now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's pretty much been it for me. So, what about you? Yeah, so, uh, last week, wrapped up slide two. Uh, this week... I wrapped up Sly 3, and Sly 3 is just not my cup of tea, <sighs> for whatever reason. So, yeah, I, I've i only played through Sly 3 once in full, and I've started it multiple times, but I never get too far. But this time I was determined to get to the end so I could uh, t- take a little uh, microscope to this this complex I have with Sly 3 to figure out what's, what's going on. Why can I not finish this one? Mm-hmm. It's just... 
boring. <laughs> so slide three, we um, I think we kind of touched on it last week, but some of it may have been edited out. But slide three, pretty much the same as slide two, but like twice as many characters. So the gameplay is much more fragmented. So you're only playing a yes. slide like maybe 30 or 40 percent of the time. So the other characters are fine enough, but it is annoying to keep going back and forth to all these different gameplay styles. In general, the game is just really slow. So, like, for example, because you're always changing up gameplay styles, it feels like every other mission, there's, like, something new that Mer or Bentley is going to explain to you, like, to tutorialize, and it goes on way too long, and you're like, <laughs> can I just do the thing that I've been doing? Like, why do I have to sit here for five minutes to hear you talk about something I'm only going to do once, basically. So that's annoying. And then also the cutscenes. Like, I feel like every cutscene just goes on too long. And mm -hmm. it's just... The game just keeps stopping and pulling you out from actually playing it. And I'm like, okay, I'm losing patience here. And then when you are playing, it's like, okay, it's, it's just kind of fine. Some of the missions that are good, those also just go on a little too long. Like, it's... You know, like, go do this thing three times, but instead of three, it's, like, five, and you're like, okay, well, I, I, I get it now. Like, you could have stopped earlier. So that's just annoying. And, yeah, you still have the hub worlds, but they took out the clue bottles from slide two, which were a super fun collectible. So yeah. now there's, like, really no reason to explore the hub worlds. And they also took out the treasures that you could steal to take back to the heist, uh, the hideout, and then sell. So that's Did another they? collectible... Ooh. Yeah, I, I thought that that was still in there, but nope, it's not. <laughs> so that's another collectible you lose, but also now it's much harder to get gold. So I just ignored most of the power-ups you can unlock for the whole game. So that's <gasps> just kind of a dud, because otherwise your only option really is to like break things in the environment to get coins, but also to steal from guards, both of which are pretty tedious. So that was like, okay, well, I'm not going to bother with that. And yeah. yeah, it's just like, eh. So... I think the issue with I've had with it is the first two chapters in particular are kind of boring. It doesn't really suck you in, uh, especially coming right off the heels of slide two, which is probably another detriment because I always play it like immediately after. Yeah. Yeah, that probably doesn't help its case. But then like when you do get, so there's six chapters. The first two are kind of boring. Chapter three is okay. Yeah, it's kind of good, I guess. Chapter four is the same. But then chapter five is this <laughs> inexplicable pirate chapter. Which sounds yeah. cool, but the majority of it is literally the naval combat from Assassin's Creed, <laughs> and then later Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> like, that started in Sly 3. It's like the exact same system of get in your ship, uh, pull up to the side of the other ship, fire your cannons, wait for them to recharge, except it's even slower here than those two other games, so it's kind of annoying, <laughs> especially in a game where you're supposed to be a thieving raccoon. It's like, why... Why am I doing this? So that's that chapter's kind of a bust. And then the last chapter is just another mini game marathon. Yeah, on average, like half the game just isn't that fun to me. So yeah, I don't really like it. And I guess that's going against the grain because a lot of people consider it their favorite of the trilogy. And some people, like I was reading on Reddit, um, other people's thoughts, and some people even went as far to say it's my favorite game of all time, and that just does not compete with me whatsoever. But I mean. Mm. More power to you, I guess. So, yeah, I'll probably never play it again. But at least <gasps> now I know that, yeah, it's it's just it doesn't do it for me. Wow. Yeah. Slytherin is not the antidepressant you asked for, apparently. No. 
We'll pour out a cold one later. It's the worst game I've ever played. Uh, bef- uh, <laughs> before the end of our existence, I will have to replay the Sly Trilogy to compare. But I've always liked 3. Sly 3 was my first, so that's probably why. I don't know. I'll have I to, I'll... always remember your first. Exactly. So that's probably... I gotta... I'll have to... I gotta... I'll have to replay it. Yeah. I was about to say it's a product of its time, but it's not, because you feel like if it was... Sly 2 would have the same MacGuffins. Right. Like, I feel yeah. like... I, I think I mentioned this last week, or maybe it up, but the the grind, the much grander scale is what I appreciate of Sly 3, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, the story's still good, and yeah, yeah. it's fun, like, building your team. It's very, like, Ocean's Eleven, like, uh, we gotta get an expert, uh, I know a guy. So that that's all good, but in implementation, it's kind of... Eh, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. I won't... Won't hark it any longer, but I, I will remember this. I haven't seen the last of you, Sly Cooper. Um, but yeah, I moved forward in the Sucker Punch library, and I played Infamous, which Ooh. is also in the PS Now library. And yeah, Infamous is a game I played many, many times. I got it when it first released, and I played it lots and lots. So I'm, I'm very intimately familiar with it. Nice. I think the last play- time I played it was two or three years ago, and I didn't really get into it, because it was like when I was back home where my PS3 is. Yep. So I only had so much time there, so I didn't really dig into it, but this time I did. And yeah, Infamous is a much better game than Sly 3, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, and yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's <laughs> It came out in 2009, which is that special period of time in games where every developer was obsessed with morality systems for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so infamous you play as an elect a guy with an electric superpowers and you can choose to be good or evil Ooh. except if you're any sane person you're going to choose good every time because the evil options are <laughs> like the morality system basically boils down to hmm there's a puppy here i could pet it and give it belly scratches and then it'll kiss me and that would make me feel good or i could just throw it into the river See how it reacts, <laughs> and that's about as nuanced as the choices get. Yeah, it's not. It's not wrong in that regard. I'm trying. You say that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna try. I'm trying to think of other morality choices. Yeah. So the morality choice system is dumb. Like I think I've only ever played one evil playthrough, and the only reason to do that is just certain powers are locked behind either good or bad, mm-hmm. uh, which is annoying because the evil power is like the arc lightning, like. Emperor Palpatine's lightning bolts, like a continuous <laughs> stream, which is like the most awesome power, but you can only get it through evil, which is annoying. But yeah. yeah, I always go good. And yeah, it's just a fun game. The powers are all super fun. You'll get a new power like every three or four missions, so it's always fun. Like, ooh, like there's a new power around the corner. Like, what's it gonna be? Mm-hmm. And they're all useful, unlike Sly 2 and 3, where those power ups are kind of like, eh, it's fine. But like, yeah, like every new upgrade you get is you're going to use it from then on out. It's got a good mission design. Like, I feel like, at least story-wise, the main story missions, like, they don't repeat themselves too much. So it's, like, really easy to get through. They're also not too long. Well, for the most part. Which is kind of a pet peeve I have when, like, a mission just drags on and on. You're like, okay, this is dumb. I can be done with this now. Yeah, I can agree with that. All the side stuff, like, it's open world, but it's not, like, too big, which is nice. It's, like, three distinct burrows, I guess. And then you got your blast shards, which are little collectibles that, when you get enough, it'll expand how much electricity you can hold. But they're, like, they pop up on the map, so you Mm -hmm. can just 
you know where they are instantly, and you, it's more about just traversing to get them than, like, actually finding them. Yeah, kind of like Assassin's Creed, very much, like, uh, climbing puzzles and, I guess sometimes yeah. the, the towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can spider sense for them, too, which is very nice. Uh, exactly. I remember, I remember some of them, probably in the third district, being like, I don't know, well, is this above me, is this below me, became a lot mm-hmm. of, like... Totally. Like, it, it, like, most of them I felt like were like, at the start, were like, oh, it's just on top of a building. And then some were like, oh, I'm like, at the bottom of the building, like, underneath a scaffolding you can barely see. It's like, yeah. ha I'm tricky. Mm-hmm. And they're usually cloistered next to each other, so it's like, well, if I get this one, I might as well go get that one, and then mm-hmm. I'll get the one after that, and after that, then, like, 30 minutes pass, and you're like, oh, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> exactly. So that's yeah. pretty good. And you... The, the actual side missions, those are also pretty, eh, maybe not pretty good, but they're not offensive. <laughs> like, those also have a decent variety to them where it's yeah. not just go here, collect thing, or go here, defeat thing, which is what most open world side missions are, and I, I kind of hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, this one actually does some interesting things with its side missions. So, yeah, I got really into it, and I pretty much 100%ed it. Dang. Yeah, I did everything except there are 350 blast shards. I got 320 just because after a certain point, your energy's maxed. And then at that point, you're just collecting them to collect them. And I was like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really care. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a ton of fun. I got super into it. Highly recommend it. It's, <laughs> it's kind of an ugly game, both. So like the plot is you get your powers at the beginning of the game, uh, but there's a giant explosion from this device which is how you got your powers, but it also, like, turns the city into, like, this, like, quarantined, like, just mess. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of people die, like, the buildings are all in disarray and whatnot. Mm. So, like, it's kind of, like, by design, it's, like, an ugly game. But then also, I guess it's, like, Unreal Engine, so it's, like, very, like, brown and gray and muddy. <laughs> I was about to say, Infamous 1 is grayscale the game. Yeah, and, like, the character models are all kind of, like, just, like, a little bit janky, like, with your animation. So, like, it's not particularly pretty to look at. But um, playing it is super fun. And the story is actually pretty good. It's got some nice twists and turns. And, like, I just appreciated... Maybe it's because I played so many times. But, like, I was always aware of, like, what was going on. And, like, what my objective was. And, like, what the stakes were. Exactly. Uh, it, it didn't get too far away from you. Is the yeah. I think the nice thing of Infamous 1... Specifically, because I've been, because I've played, I've played two a bunch. I have borrowed uh, Second Son, and I'm trying to like, you know, in my mind, like quick comparison between all the things between one and how, uh, you know, how they evolve or kind of devolve as the, the series goes on. But yeah, I think if it was one story, it doesn't, you know, it, we're not, uh, it, it never gets to Kingdom Hearts levels. We're not, uh, <laughs> our head is not up our butt half the time. Yeah, like I feel like with a lot of open world games, it's so easy to just lose the plot because. Either, you know, you go to do some side activities or, like, they'll introduce, like, three missions at once. And you're like, wait, what do these have to do with each other? But, like, here it's all like, oh, okay, if I do this, it's to do this. And it all makes sense together. And this character wants this. And so, yeah, it, Sucker Punch, for my gripes with, you know, Sly 3, like, they're pretty good at, you know, writing and story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's mm. it's pretty prevalent throughout all their games. So I'll give them a little tip of the hat for that. Yeah. Infamous one, pretty good. Infamous <laughs> one is. I'm just, I'm getting all the warm fuzzies now that you're talking about it all over again. Yeah, it was definitely nostalgic for me because, like I said, like I played it so often. Mm-hmm. Like that was probably one of my most played PS3 games, to be honest. Definitely. 
definitely. It holds up, I have to say. So, yeah, just having a good old time. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Why don't we put on our reviewer hats and oh boy, give our review of Kingdom Hearts. So, we've entered the world proper, or the, the discussion proper. So think of this as a, a mini award ceremony for Kingdom Hearts. So we're gonna we're gonna kick off this discussion with a solid uh, top thirteen rankings of the worlds. So I figured that'd be a good way to kind of you know go through the majority of the game by just kind of talking through all the different levels. So <clears throat> before we get into it, let's discuss the methodology. Uh, we mm. both came up with our own list, and then we sort of Frankenstein them together. So we ranked our worlds 1 to 13, and then assigned them points. So number 1 got 13 points, number 13 got 1 point, and then we added up the point, and then we reorganized the list based on that ranking. So it's a combination of both of our opinions. Mm-hmm. That's how we came upon this arbitrary list. So why don't we why don't we get into it, shall we? All right. Yeah. So number thirteen. Thirteen. I don't think this should be a surprise to anyone. Well, maybe it will be. <laughs> but, uh, bottom of the barrel, Neverland. Neverland's not great. Yeah. I mean, the obvious issue is well, it's not actually Neverland. But like, even if it weren't. Neverland, like if it was just the pirate ship, I'd be able to look past it if the pirate ship was designed well, but it's just a bunch of square rooms connected, and it's kind of annoying to get through, and yeah, it's just not that good. I do appreciate the Neverland story, because it, it it's literally the tail end of Disney yep. World, so they had, they had to sprinkle in a good amount of the, here's the actual mainline plot. So out of the Disney Worlds, it moves the plot forward the most. And probably has the most important plots to the overarching plot. But that's probably all the the only good thing Neverland has going for it, really. Yeah. So Neverland is our bottom choice. And speaking from my perspective, the way I kind of rank them is, like, which world do I enjoy being in the most? So that was kind of, like, the number one factor and, like, you know, which one do I like going back to? So, like, for me, like, story and, you know, like, bosses and whatnot, those definitely play into it, but they're not as high up. It's just in general, like, how often am I going back to this world, basically? Mm -hmm. Very similar. It's, mine is kind of an amalgamation of... What is there to do? What was the story like? What's the world design? Yeah. All right. Number 12. Destiny Islands. <laughs> I mean, kind of a weird one to rank because it's just the tutorial world. It's literally, yeah. I guess it's three rooms, but really it's two rooms. Uh, I guess three rooms. Yeah, because the secret place. Seaside Shack, four pla- four rooms. Yeah, I'm saying three rooms <laughs> that like, you'll actually be in. Yeah, but, like, exactly. No, I'm just ragging yeah. on you. Four rooms total. Okay. I mean, not much to say about it. Um, you're not going to be spending too much time there. It's like, you literally can't go back to it. But I mean, the aesthetic's good. Obviously, very iconic location in the series. Mm-hmm. But I mean... He says this as he ranks it last. I mean, yeah, gameplay-wise, it just doesn't really have anything to offer. Because, like, yeah. your moveset <laughs> is the most simple it'll be in the whole game. So, like, there's not... There's, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot of layers mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Whereas for me, this is, I think it's around the middle. This is, this is seven. This is actually legit, like the middle of my list, personally. Mm. I really like the DI aesthetic. I mean, yeah, the limiting factor of the islands is it is tutorial world. So there's not going to be the most to do, but I do really appreciate, I mean, 
it's an original design, obviously, even though it's a big, it is big island. Yep. But I feel like the start of the story, the interaction with the Final Fantasy characters, the aesthetic and the layout, the, the, the things to do, I think, is my big drawing point. Being able to fight the kids one-on-one and three-on-one and, three yeah. and the races... Like, in, there's my enjoyment factor right there. If we were ranking, you know, tutorials or, like, first worlds across the series, Destiny Islands would be up there. But if we're ranking it as a world amongst all the other worlds in the game, like, just by sheer amount of, you know, design. It literally has the least to offer. Yeah. yeah. Which is understandable. It's a tutorial world. Yeah, like, I, I almost feel like it shouldn't even be in the rankings, but <gasps> meh, whatever. We just want to be thorough. All right. All right. In at number 10, 10 squared is 100, 100 acre wood. <laughs> 11, but same difference. <laughs> oh, uh, coming in at number 11. <laughs> yeah, 100 acre wood. So I had this one a little higher than you, but I mean. Did you? Yeah, because I was thinking about it um, during our discussion. I was talking about everything but the actual gameplay. <laughs> It's good in this world, like, the atmosphere and the aesthetic is all very nice. But, I mean, yeah, that's only so much of what the world actually is. The actual gameplay is just a bunch of mini games, most of which aren't that great. So, yeah, it's not too high. Yeah, I think it's more enjoyable. Look at this. This is 9 on my list. This is 10 for you, and then it averaged out to an 11 for our definitive list. I, I enjoy... <sighs> the mini games are really a hit or miss, unfortunately, for Cage One Hundred yep. Wood. In terms of Hundred Acre Wood iterations, I think I feel like this is the lowest in the list, which is Eh, Kingdom Hearts Three. Yeah. So yes, which that's is also the... kind of unrankable. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm trying. I'm thinking of every time I say, "But this is the worst version." I have flashbacks to Cage Three, where yep. it's 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 big cough cough. But uh, yeah. I still enjoy Hundred Acre Woods. Very minimal. Story, I think the characters are very fun yeah. to interact with. It's good uh, even work, though sure. the mini games range from playable to janky AF. Yeah, it's just a nice change of pace. You have to have like a, a no combat world, and it's just like I'm gonna go here and vibe for a little bit. My little mm. my little poo bear. Yeah. Up next, now it's number ten. Is there we go. Monstro, mm-hmm. which I'm sure most people will probably have this at the very bottom, <laughs> but I, I gave it a little more credit. I think you did too. Yeah. Yeah. Monstro is honestly, it is annoying for sure <laughs> if you don't know where you're going, but I, yeah, I think it's fun once you get into the rhythm of it, of, you know, room to go in room to room, knocking out the heartless, like because it's so small, I think it creates this interesting sort of frantic, like kind of arena like feeling mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. fighting your way through all the heartless yeah so that i really appreciate but it's not one i do it's not one i want to go back to very often and i think i said as much during our episode like when i end there i am enjoying it but i'm not gonna be booking that return trip yeah too you, often. you don't <laughs> be like oh my fond memories of monstro let me go yeah. back let's relive them one more time yeah exactly mm-hmm. and also just the aesthetic is very like what? Yeah, it's essentially <laughs> a, an original world because yep because we because we, 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 we started or Disney Corner right before uh, right before Monster we started with Agrabah so yep. like the mouth is the only thing you see in the movie the inside of the mouth the, all Pretty the in, internal things are all uh, the inner machinations of Nomura's mind and also the game design te- the 
map design team. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, Monstro is annoying to get around, but that's the point of Monstro. Like you enter through a chamber one way, and you you get dropped off, and you can't re-enter through the same way. Like it's meant to be a dumb, confusing maze. But the fact yep. that it's vertical and vertical, colorful, and there's a lot of they're, they're like the y-axis comes into play. There's a lot of platforming. Yeah, things exactly. that are below you and above you, and literally, it's in, it's engaging. Is it like yeah, a totally engaging, colorful mess? Yeah, I appreciate it for just being something different. Like it's not just another keep going in a straight line. There you go. Like you, you got to think about it. Exactly. Yeah, a for effort. Alrighty, up next, I'd say this is like kind of like the mid tier of like okay, we've gotten the quote unquote bad worlds or weaker worlds out of the way, so now these are you know solid but still not the best. So at number nine, to my chagrin, is Atlantica. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst. It's not the worst. I will agree with you on that. <laughs> But. Yeah, I guess that's all I can ask for. Yeah, I had this higher, but I think you, I think you brought her down. <laughs> oh, definitely. You had this at a six. I have this at eleven. Mm. I think it's the, mm. I think it's the higher end of the bottom tier. I don't think it's the worst thing. And okay. uh, IMO, I we definitely covered this when we talked about Atlantica, but the main, the, I think the reason people hate it, and I don't, I don't hate it for, is just literally the momentum shift between. I'm Sora, yeah. I run a swing to being much more stationary. You mentioned it's a magic world. It's a, you know, it's designed to bring your yep. magic into play. It's the press X to win uh, argument right front and center, basically. Totally. Uh, I yeah, like, um, I still enjoy it. A lot of my decisions will be based on my magic affinity throughout <laughs> the rest of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think Atlantica is too bad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The, the aesthetic does get boring in most areas because sure. it is just i mean hey they're faithful it's mostly just blue gray seawall everywhere seven out of eight too much water yeah <laughs> yeah but again like monstro like i just appreciate that they went there so yeah i think it's a fun change of pace i it also just kind of marks that like like to me atlantica's an event like it kind of marks that like okay like we're in the mid to late game now because it's so far removed from your basic moveset we're like oh now like i'm like swimming like this is like this is advanced kingdom hearts <laughs> so like i appreciate that factor and the story does get a little more interesting for sure so yeah it's a it's a good world in my estimates i think it has a way too bad rep but I I, res- I respect your opinion, and I'll fight to the death for your right to, <laughs> to defend it. Yeah. But uh, next up, number eight is Deep Jungle. So another mm, divisive world, I would say, for the community at large. I know a lot of people don't like or outright hate this world. I think it gets a bad rep. Much like Atlantica, but what are what are your thoughts on this jungle of a world? So, <laughs> in, in in the exact same fashion, went over. You loved or you know, ranked this world pretty high. I ranked it pretty low, hence it's kind of mm. middling, definitive list ranking. Yeah, <laughs> it's another one. It's it, it, we mentioned. You just mentioned with the monster. It's it, it's one that I adore, but I'm not. You know, I'm not jostling to come back here. I think I. That's my deep jungle feeling. The... It's mini... Jungle Slider! Oh, boy. 
Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the things that it tries to do just are, aren't hitting the bar for me personally, and yeah. so that's why I feel like it, it gets dragged down. Um, the, uh, the vines, <laughs> the vines can get super yeah. annoying. It's just the traversal of the world. I think can be a drag sometimes, and I feel like that's a very big draw for me in my ranking personally. Like how. How enjoy, how much do I love just running through the world, even if it is getting from point A to point B? And similar to Atlantica, where the aesthetic is mostly the same wall everywhere, kind of true for Deep Jungle. Most of the jungle is just green on green on green. So I'm not, like, observing everything. I just kind of want it to be over, personally. Yeah, I guess in hindsight, maybe I'd rank this one a little high. I totally hear all those points, but when I think of Deep Jungle, <laughs> I think of pretty much everything to the like the camp and then to the right, <laughs> like the whole other half of like going to the Hippo Lagoon and whatnot. Like that doesn't really spring to mind because those areas aren't that great. Yeah, but um, yeah, like the camp, you know, the falls, all good. But I think for me, it's probably more a nostalgia thing. But like for me, like this is one of like, when I think of just playing Kingdom Hearts, this world springs to mind probably, you know, the most often. Yeah. I don't know. Just because, like, I, like, I feel like you go back to it a lot because it's a good white mushroom spot. It's a good, you know, it's got the two uber heartless. It's a good grinding spot because it's everything's right there by the camp. So you got some higher level heartless that all have different materials. So, I, I don't know. I, and I feel like, you know, the music is good. The story's ba, 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 pretty ba, ba, good. Ba, ba. Yeah, story's good when you're going through it. The Clayton fight is just super memorable, but the stealth sneak, kind of similar to Atlantica. Like, I feel like this one is, it just kind of marks, like, here's a shift in the game when you do finish it. So yeah. maybe I'm just appreciating it in that regard. But yeah, everything you just said is completely valid. So yeah, yeah I, I think this is a good spot for it. Definitely, yeah. And to be fair, like, just to, just to say, hey, I don't hate Deep Jungle, I do appreciate the calm aesthetic in the beginning of there's yeah, no heartless there totally. I, and, and that i think it helps me appreciate sabor i do like i it is very like a tense moment when you walk out of the camp you know, like is my is my attack is my menu gonna turn red is sabor yep. gonna jump out at me <laughs> i do actually exactly. i do like the uh the little sabor fights and we'll get yeah. to it in, later in our discussion too but some of the interactables in deep jungle i also do really appreciate yeah for sure so yeah deep jungle does a lot of interesting things but it does have some things that hold it back. So next up, uh, this will probably be a controversial choice, but at number s- seven... Seven. Smack dab in the middle. Yep. End of the world. <laughs> so I think, it was my, I think it was my score that brought this one down. Yeah, we're flipping the script. Yeah, similar to Destiny Islands, you know, if we were ranking final worlds, although I guess there aren't too many you know, final, final worlds in Kingdom Hearts. Like, there's kind of just the three. (laughs) You know, it's a good final world, but if we're looking at it in terms of worlds that you're just playing through regularly, like, I mean, it's just as simple as I don't want to go back to this world. Mm -hmm. It's very much a one and done, like, point A to point B, and then once you get to point B, aka final rest, like, for me, there's no reason to ever go back to the world, because the aesthetic, while good, is off-putting. Like, it's not a world, like, it's uncomfortable to be in there. (laughs) Mm. I find it's unsettling and disturbing. And then, yeah, it does have some stinker rooms, like, the whole first room is annoying with the invisible walls, the giant crevasses 
pretty good, but again, not one that you want to keep going back to because it is a lot of climbing and whatnot. So it's a little tedious if you're going to like, you know, like there's no reason to really go back to it unless you miss the chest the first time. <clears throat> and then, yeah, it's, it's not too big a world. So yeah, like looking at it in terms of the rest of the worlds that you're going through, like, yeah, it's just, I don't really want to go through it. <laughs> Except for the one time for the story. Yeah, exactly. So, for me, because this is number four on my list, I think the highs of End of World are very high, but I but I yeah. will say the lows of End of World are very low. So yeah. you're not you're not entirely like just like our general conversation. You're you are still valid. The I'll always call it the gauntlet. But when you yep. uh, when you go through the when you revisit a room from each world by going through the pillars of light. Yep. I I dread that. It just it feels so monotonous and so I don't know. I just I every time I want to ignore them, and to be honest, half the time yeah. I forget you can ignore <laughs> them. But there I'm always like, there's some heartless, there's some EXP, there's a chest yeah. in there. I'm jumping in, Ma! Totally. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> I so I do I do actually like the uh, the first room with the invisible walls. Mm. most of it at least well there's also like you know the two behemoth fights and by that point it's just so old that mm. also drags it down in my rankings so i guess i do like the first behemoth fight that's why i like the first room because it's like oh behemoth he's back again but then you see him at the very end of the world and that's when i'm like really right really yeah. okay okay <laughs> you don't you can go somewhere else please yep. Alrighty, coming up next at number 666, Halloween mm. Town. And yeah, this may surprise people, but my ranking was the one that brought this one down. Yes, I had to look at it just now and I'm like, wait a minute, where where's yours? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so for aesthetics, I mean, yeah, this world is firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to my rule of, well, quote unquote rule. Uh, like, how often do I want to go back to this world? Like, yeah, there's really not much reason to go back to this one. Like, honestly, the reason why it was even as high as I had it was for Oogie's Manor, because that is a really cool area. Mm-hmm. But it's temporary. So, like, <laughs> the one really good thing the world had going for it, it just throws in the trash. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's the most linear world in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Just go to straight line from room to room. And then... Some of the rooms are just annoying because you have to, like, light up the platform and then jump on it and then hover up or you have to activate the hill. So, like, you can't even just simply go back and forth. Like, sometimes there's little interactions you have to do and then you have to beat the Heartless to, you know, prompt the interactions. So, yeah, there's just not a lot there, to be honest, that I think is particularly fun. Eh. (laughs) Interesting. It's a shame. Yeah. I would say for very similar reasons, but flip them, flip them around to make them good is essentially mm-hmm. my my Halloween Town. Um, I do it is very linear. Halloween Town is well. Once you have to go to Oogie's Manor, things become very straightforward. But then when you get to Oogie's Manor, Oogie's Manor says, "Yeah, what sure. what is what is forward but downwards, but also left <laughs> at the same time." Yep. So I really appreciate that area. But you are correct; it does disappear. And it just yep. leaves behind a big empty empty chasm. So yep. kind of a kind of a little stinker. But I think I've always just enjoyed the aesthetic and the layout of Halloween Town. And I think I think mainly the world itself is why it hold I hold in such high regard. Well, I say high regard okay. as my number six, so right outside of the top five, top three, but still yeah. kind of pretty good. 
I do like the idea of like what you know uh, what is what it what really makes a heart a heart. At the end of the day, I feel like that also helps out. It's the ranking as well. Yeah, story's decent, but also you know let's not forget that it is like a ping pong or paddle ball. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, go here, come back, go a little bit further, come back, and then go even further. So like I feel like just. I mean, that's definitely not unique to this world, but because it's so linear, dusty and out, so like, I feel like they could have done something to squeeze some more juice from this orange, or I guess yeah. from this pumpkin would be more appropriate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, there's no real mini games to speak of, so maybe they could have done something there, which they definitely do in KH2. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of there. So, I think number six is pretty good for it. All right, number yeah. five is wonderland which yeah i think i think i bumped this one up for sure definitely yeah this is this is your top three. Ooh. yeah because so similar to deep jungle this is probably the other world that i think of the most when i just think of like pure kingdom hearts for disney mm-hmm. worlds anyway just because yeah like you're there's so much reason to go back to it. it's just like the whole bizarre room well i can understand why people will find it annoying i think it's really cool and it's really clever and it just makes the world interesting to explore because it's like oh wait well if i go through here oh i haven't seen it from this angle before so that's really cool and just you know as the first world i think it sets a really good impression it sets the tone for the rest of the game with like how you explore each world you know the story is pretty simple but pretty good in terms of like getting you an action and getting you motivated to go through and get the evidence and whatnot. Trickmaster is a pretty decent fight. And like I said, there's like just a lot of reason to go backtracking. So like Lady Luck, who would have thought this world had a keyblade hiding in it the whole time? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's just like so many little nooks and crannies that like, you know, you can go back to it and realize, oh, I can get to here now with this ability. So yeah, I think it's just a clever, it's a clever use of space. Like it's probably one of the smaller worlds. But it does so much with the space that I appreciate it. And yeah, I like similar to Monstro, I like kind of getting into um, the cycle of going through and grinding. That's my thoughts on Wonderland. <laughs> so this is my tent. This is the, the start Ooh. of the, the middle, uh, yep. like the middle tier worlds for me. And I mean, you, you kind of did mention everything. Wonderland is a land of curiosity, literally. So. <laughs> There's, yep. there's like you. This is one of the worlds. This is a world you want to stick your head into, like every nook and cranny to try and find everything. Because, yeah, you know, you mentioned the bizarre Wonderland literally flips your perspective a million times. So mm-hmm. it's one of those where you do see the same thing every time, but it's from a different angle, from from literally a different perspective. So I think it. That's why I have it sort of in the middle. That's it. Did. I do like the design. The Bizarre Room. I actually do love the Bizarre Room. Everything else almost feels like an accent. The Lotus Forest. Oh, totally. Doesn't do it for me, unfortunately, but I feel like the Bizarre Room. How about to say if, the, if I'm thinking like, what if the Bizarre Room is just the world? I don't think I would enjoy that. You'd have to like elaborate on it more, but it's still a good world. And to your yeah. regard as well, I do love the fact that we, you could just find a keyblade hanging out here. We don't, we, yeah, and we, we don't totally. talk about Lady Luck, and we don't really use Lady Luck, but the fact <laughs> that it's just chilling somewhere, but you have to come back closer to the end of the game to come and find it, I think it's just a little, ooh, it, it is literally the cherry on top that is Wonderland. Exactly. All right, up next, just missing out on the top three, is Olympus Coliseum, mm-hmm. which, 
Yeah, is a weird one to rank because <laughs> it's Definitely. not really a world, but it's probably the world you'll spend the most time in of the Disney Definitely. worlds for sure. Design, I mean, there's nothing there, but like, I mean, who doesn't love Cage One Olympus Coliseum? Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people, but I don't want to know those people. <laughs> well, speaking of Destiny Islands, this, this is the literal three room world right here. Yeah, <laughs> there's three. There's three separate squares. Which one do you love the most? Mm. Yep, but I mean, I guess it's more just a ranking of the whole Coliseum, you know, system, I guess you could say, of like... A hundred percent. Yes, this is definitely one of the best parts of KH1. I mean, yeah, I don't really have much to say. Like, the tournaments are super fun, especially once you get into going through for the extra objectives. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got all the extra bosses, which is awesome. Hades Cup, super fun in-game challenge. Yeah. And also just the original run through Olympus is pretty good. I did consider Cerberus as uh, one of my favorite boss contenders, just because that fight's mm. so cool to me. So yeah, Olympus Coliseum, very solid, definitely iconic to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I think in Kingdom Hearts 2, like, when you revisit it, one of the first lines is Olymp- uh, Goofy says, like, gosh, this sure <laughs> does bring back a lot of memories. And Yeah, and it does. That's a mood, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I do like the fact that we have to come back for tournaments. Like, we'll, yep. we talked about KH2. KH2, we, it's an actual world. We beat the world and we come back. The fact that the world itself in KH1 is coming back and participating in the tournaments to actually, you know, unlock the keyhole, get Olympia, I do really like. Yeah, of course, totally. it's a million, a million and a half Coliseum fights are fun and creative, which also helps. Yeah. All right, baby. Here we are, top three time. Mm-hmm. So at number three is Hollow Bastion. <gasps> dun dun dun! Who could have seen this coming? Yeah, I'm sure some people are offended that it's not number one. Yeah, I was just thinking about it, and Hollow Bastion is definitely a great world. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, an awesome semi-final world. But I was just thinking about it, and like. Yeah, a lot of the world is the lift stop, which isn't terribly interesting. Yeah. It is pretty linear, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think yeah. for the story run, like, making way to the top tower, like, that's pretty fun, and it makes sense for, you know, what your objective is. Mm-hmm. But then you do the same exact thing on the second visit. <laughs> and then going through it, like, I don't really like backtracking through Hollow Bastion so much, because it is pretty tedious with, like, the super long lift stops, and there are a few rooms that are just, there's nothing to do on them. Except for, like, you know, a Trinity, but then once that's gone, you just have to... It's just a room, an empty room there for you to get to the next room. So, yeah, it's not as fun to backtrack through as some of the other worlds. So, I don't go back to it too much. And then, as I mentioned in our discussion on it, our full discussion, pretty much everything underneath the waterway, like, I don't really like any of those areas, just because they're too dark for my taste, and it's a little claustrophobic feeling. So... Yeah, definitely solid world, but definitely not my favorite. So yeah, what well, what do you what do you think? So this is my number two. I mm. thought this would be my number one, but then I you know I thought for two seconds. Soul searching. Yeah, a little bit. Literally the points that you just mentioned. I think it's always you can tell a lot of work went into Hollow Bastion. Besides, I mean, besides the fact that it's a world they had yes. to create from scratch, obviously. Yep. But they, I do. It's a, it's the same thing of like, oh, look at the ingenuity, but you peel back the curtain a little bit and you're like, 
So, I mean, I think I love the aesthetic. I mean, again, they had they had freedom with Hollow Bastion, so they could do whatever dumb shenanigans they wanted to do. So the yep. fact that you go from the Rising Falls to like outside the castle to below the castle, which again is still not very interesting, to inside the castle, and the castle has these different areas, helps it a lot. But the fact that, yeah, it's like, I gotta get into this one room to get a chest, there's nothing else, move on, does kind of get a little... I think Hollow Bastion overstay. I think Hollow Bastion's a little too big. If it were, like, a th- maybe a fourth or a fifth smaller, mm. I would be like, this is a perfect world. I really I, I love Hollow Bastion. But it's a little bit too long when it comes to trying to traverse, in my opinion. Like, it, you know, okay. because it's That's the fair. same thing and the same thing. By the time you get yeah. to the top, you get to the top and Sora's like... <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of how the player feels as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, to me, I feel like if it had, like, just a couple more branching rooms, like, the only one I can think of is, like, the main hall, and then you can either go to lift up or the library, and then the library kind of loops back into both of those areas. So, like, if yep. it just had, like, a little more going on, like, in that regard of, like, hey, yeah, it's an actual castle, and there are a bunch of rooms, instead of just, all right, go from one to two to three, and then there you go. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be a little in my book, but... Um, I'm certainly not disputing it's a great world. Uh, aesthetic is on fire. Some of the most iconic moments in the series happen in this world. So story's great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just, I'm not, again, not in too much of a rush to go back to it. Mm-hmm. But what I am in a rush to get back to is our number two. Tell the people. Tell them. Traverse Town. Woo! I had this as my number one. Yep. This is your special baby. This was my number five, so, mm. yeah. So, Traverse Town is kind of the opposite of Hollow Bastion. <laughs> yeah. Because Hollow Bastion's really tall. Traverse Town just flattens it and spreads the room out. <laughs> Real wide. In terms of, like, surface area, it's probably the biggest world. Yeah, I just think it's the best designed, because the rooms all connect back to each other in interesting ways. It's tons of fun to explore. Like, each area is really different from the next... You know, story-wise, obviously great. It's your first world post-Destiny Island, so this is where you get the plot, basically. And yeah, there's just so much to do there. You know, chit-chat with Sid, have a cigarette break, <laughs> <laughs> uh, check in with Pinocchio, go see what Merlin's up to, 100 Acre Wood, Duck Boys, Sassy Barmaid. <laughs> it's just iconic. And it's just the vibe, you know. To me, this is Kingdom Hearts. Like, this is... If you could, like, put Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 1 specifically, like, in a blender <laughs> to come up with some sort of shake, <laughs> Traverse Town would be the result of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. Because it's pretty much your Final Fantasy world. It's got your Disney characters. It's an original world. It's got the interesting Kingdom Hearts aesthetic where everything's just kind of, like, slightly off-kilter and cartoony. Yeah, it's just everything you'd love about Kingdom Hearts. And it's just a fun world to go through. So, like, this is probably most people's um you know grinding spot just because it's not a total chore to go through because take your pick like which rooms you want to go through to take out heartless mm-hmm. it's got some solid puzzles and interactions and yeah it's just it's great in my book and yeah my favorite world of the game which kind of feels like a cop-out but i mean whatever <laughs> if it's good nope. it's good it's a it's a very valid number one pick yeah 
I come back, we come back, we are supposed to come back to Traverse Town. So I think it's our main draw to Traverse Town. The fact yes. that it has, it has, it, they say variety is a spice of life in Traverse Town. Mm-hmm. Traverse Town has a spice rack going on. A spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the gummy menu is here with Sid once Sid opens his shop. We have literally the only, the only shops in the game. Yeah. I was, yeah. Forget, well, there are some temporary shops, but yeah, pretty much. Exactly, yeah. So, it, I mean, it, Traverse Town is the hub world of the game. Yep. So we're gonna come back here. I feel like, yeah, it has literally a little bit of everything because we're good. And I think that is because we come back here so often. So it's like, I think a good example is when we're supposed to come back here after beating Deep Jungle and getting yep. Green Trinity. We come back, uh, not Green, Red Trinity. We come back and we're like, oh, you know, this Red Trinity is like it's a bash my friends into a wall for yay <laughs> and that it just kind of expands and explodes from there basically um yeah. it's <laughs> love or hate synthesis because i feel like I, I have a very love-hate relationship with the, with the synthesis list mm. um still it's so fun to come back and be like all right what can we make this time boys yeah and also the mm. postcard side quest is super fun yeah a hundred percent yeah you want to talk about like side content for yeah. the worlds because that that matters rescue the puppies it's just got everything yeah it's a big cash in spot so it, it feels it feels like home because it is home yeah exactly yeah it good but there can only be one number one and if you've been paying attention you know what that is mm-hmm. so number one is agrabah Maybe night. So I'll kind of let you speak to this one because you had it ranked higher than me. I th- yeah, this was your number one. So. It's my number one spy. Love me good old Agrabah. So this was kind of funky because I definitely, I think I put Agrabah. So for my listing, I just literally, I went down the list. So I went to Destiny Islands, Traverse Town. I kind of stuck them in into where I thought they were, and then I rearranged them just to kind of make sense. Yep. And Agrabah, I think it was Hollow Bash at the top and Agrabah second. I think, obviously, at the end, they flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. Agrabah does what Traverse Town don't, and by that I mean the, what we just covered in Traverse Town, besides the constantly coming back to for little rewards and little things mm-hmm. like that, it feels like Traverse Town 2.0, because there's there's so much to explore, there's so much to, there's, there's so much to gain by exploring, there's variety because we have this inside the city. We have the Cave of Wonders, which no, I, I, I do really like the Cave of Wonders. I feel like in terms, of, I mean, in terms of the movie, the movie is just one, <laughs> a singular like get through here and there's a pile of treasure. But the fact that we have the underground, like the waterways and the above ground, mm-hmm. I think just 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 speaks to me, especially in the the later rooms where there's just like so much to interact with. It always feels bigger than it actually is, especially in KH1, but... Oh, totally, I feel, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Agrabah gets a lot of mileage, which is why it has, like, bleh. To, to, to harken back to Traverse Town, it's got a little bit of everything, which I think is why I hold it in such a high regard. Yeah, like, the city... So it's got... Yeah, it does kind of have everything. So the city has the verticality that we were kind of talking about in Monstro... Mm-hmm. It's got all the different interactions. It's got the branching paths that we were talking about with like Traverse Town mm-hmm. and what I wish Hollow Bastion had more of. 
Yep. It's got, you know, Cave of Wonders is pretty fun, pretty linear on the top level of just go through, take out the Heartless with some some interesting little puzzles and obstacles. Mm. But then the bottom level, there's no Heartless there, which is like, again, nice change of pace, kind of like 100 Acre Wood. Lots of secrets to explore, like Wonderland, little hidey mm. holes and chests and whatnot. And yeah, no, you totally said it like it feels bigger than it is because yeah it's kind of like there's like four distinct areas like there's agrabah there's cape of wonders top level cape of wonders basements and then i guess like desert in general and like the tiger head so yeah it feels like you know you're kind of going on an adventure even though it is relatively small but yeah it's it's good and i think we both remarked during our episode that like we were surprised by how much fun it was going back through because i feel like most people Mm -hmm don't really think too much about Agrabah. And I think it's because it has been in the series so much, so now people are just kind of tired of it. But, like, in Kingdom Hearts 1, like, it's pretty solid, for sure. And, I, yeah, I think a number one spot is... Like, I'm not going to argue with that. And it's also got the bonus of, you know, Kurt Sisa, which helps mm-hmm. it, because all the other bosses are pretty... <laughs> Except for Pot Centipede, I do enjoy that one, but the Jafar fights are not super... Yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoy Jafar 1, Jafar Genie... I don't know. I feel like Jafar Genie fight could have been more, but I would say yeah, I, it, it yeah. is a boss gauntlet too, and that helps. That helps with the variety uh, for mm-hmm. good, and then obviously at the end it teeters off for the worse. But for sure, it, it helps elevate it. So yeah, Agrabah baby. So yeah, those are our rankings. But what are yours? Email us and let us know, or yell at us for having terrible opinions. Do it! I dare you. <laughs> Yeah, email us at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts. Especially, like, yeah, I think if I had done this ranking, these rankings, you know, before playing it, I think it would be different. But yeah, I think taking a closer look at everything definitely skewed my opinion a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be curious if anyone else sort of had like, oh, well, actually this world is pretty good for X reason, even though I never really thought of it that way before. So <laughs> yeah, let us know your thoughts. Alrighty, next up in our end of game discussion, we have the first annual Crownie Awards. Da da da. So these are just little fun awards, as I mentioned, just to highlight some of our favorite parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Nothing too serious, just like, oh yeah, this was a really cool thing. So I think we can go through these pretty quickly. I uh, don't want to hurt on it too much, but... Definitely. Yeah, these are just a mix of some more obvious categories of, you know, best of, and then some more offshooty, silly categories, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, I'm your host, Kevin. Tonight, we'll be presenting the Cranny for Favorite Boss. <laughs> and the nominees are... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so who was your favorite boss in KH1? Gotta give it to Oogie's Manor. <sighs> Tonight, Oogie's Manor broke ground for being the first house to win an award. Woo! <laughs> so, don't get me wrong, Oogie's Manor can be hella annoying, but it's such a creative fight that I'll always... Yeah, I'll always weird. remember it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most of my picks are what spoke to me a little bit, but mostly, like, how different is it? So, Oogie's Manor. Yep, you that's just, fair. You find a bunch of blob, 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 blobity blobs. 
It's not even yeah. fighting the matter itself. You're fighting the source of you're destroying the power cores essentially. But yeah. the speaking of verticality, because we just mentioned that not even five minutes ago, getting around and running around everything is. I just love it every time. Yes, it can be hell of annoying when you fall off at the top and you're like, I swear to God. But mm. I feel like most of the time for me, it's uh, it's the weirdest tower climb I've ever done and it'll always stick out of my head. Yeah. So congratulations, Oogie's Manor. Uh, we'll we'll get an assistant to uh, bring the award to you. Uh, looks like you're a little immobile at this point. But um, our other runner-up winner, who also couldn't make it, to the ceremony because she can't fit in the building is giant Ursula. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is probably a controversial pick, much like Atlantica as a world. Uh, I think a lot of people hate this boss. I love it. <laughs> and it's purely because of the spectacle of like, Definitely. Yes, this is what the Kingdom Hearts is about. It's about a little boy and his cartoon pals fighting a giant monster that will basically kill them by just stepping on them. But they use the power of friendship to prevail. Yeah! <laughs> so yeah, I just think it's awesome. I find that the bosses I gravitate to the, toward the most are the ones that I struggled with the most as a kid, and Giant Ursula is definitely one of those. Mm. Yeah, she's a toughie for sure, but she kind of teaches you, you know, how to play the game better in a certain sense. And Ursula is just, you know, the best villain, probably. So I have a... Yeah. Um, <laughs> particular affinity for all our bottle battle quotes this won't be pretty yeah not very tasty she's just good and i appreciate a giant 40 story woman (laughs) (laughs) so congratulations next up we have our favorite kh1 exclusive keyblade meaning not keyblades that are like series staples so your kingdom keys oblivion Mm. oathkeeper i i would accept Ultima weapon because the appearance is different here. Okay. But yeah, for those other ones that. <laughs> Damn know. it. Yeah, like only Keyblades you can find in Kingdom Hearts One. So, what was your choice? Well, I even so when we when I saw this and I was like, "What is my favorite cage exclusive Keyblade?" I technically said, "Well, Ultima weapons design compared to the rest of this series is very unique." If I could pick Ultima <laughs> weapon. I would pick Ultimate Weapon. But if I had to okay. pick something that wasn't Ultimate because Ultimate Weapon is meant to be the biggest and the best of the bunch. So if yeah, I had to kind of a if, I, <laughs> if I had to schlep it up with the boys. And it's a KH1 exclusive keyblade, so my other three or four picks won't hit the won't hit the category. Mm. I will give it to Diamond Dust. The keyblade you've probably spent Ooh. one of the least amount of times with yeah, because sure. it's only final mix. But it has such an impact when we're in our late final mix endgame. Yeah. And the fact that it's a Kingdom not Kingdom Hearts, a Final Fantasy reference. Uh just it tickles it tickles my insides. Yep. But I can't deny Diamond Dust's incredible magic stat, despite not being the magic boy of the bunch. But mm. yeah, it just it's it it does speak to me on multiple levels and yeah. It take, takes my coveted uh, KH1 blade. Yeah, I definitely considered that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Ugh, did, did I tell you about that insane Reddit argument I got in with someone who tried to say that this wasn't an ice key blade? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. I, <laughs> I still don't think I recovered the brain cells from engaging in that discussion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, tr- he tried arguing. I don't even know what he tried arguing. He was trying to say that it was based on literal diamonds. It was based on diamonds and gold, because I like made a comment like, oh, I don't really like the golden in. He's like, well, it kind of makes sense, because it's based on diamonds. And I'm like, no, no, it isn't. Are you, are you, 
are you crazy? Are you sick in the head or something? Uh, but let's not drag up those demons. We, just, <laughs> we won't, we just we won't for your sake. <laughs> um, so my favorites shouldn't be a surprise if people have been paying attention. It's Spellbinder. Who would have thought it? <laughs> everybody. Everybody thought it. Yeah. So, yeah, just in general, magic keyblades always stick out to me. So, and not just like, oh, this keyblade gives you better magic. Like, just like the magic... I guess, like, magician aesthetic. I appreciate in a keyblade. Yeah, the mage. The mage aesthetic, I think. Yeah, to separate from just saying magic. But yeah. Yeah. So I I won't harp on it too much because I've said everything. Uh, I think it was during the second Traverse Town episode when we got it. Good design. Good utility. 2MP is super clutch at that point in the game. And I love how, yeah, similar to Lady Luck, it's... It's pretty much an optional Keyblade where you kind of have to go out of your way to get it. And that just makes it more special to me. Because like, I feel like maybe some people don't even bother with it. But I do because it completes my playstyle. So <laughs> Spellbinder is my OTP. Although still the one thing that I don't really like is the handle shape is kind of awkward with like the negative space around the actual handle and then like the guard is like just kind of weird it's like kind of like ovals it's a little awkward but that's that's the main blemish on an otherwise perfect design in my <laughs> so yeah all right moving along uh favorite cutscene. <laughs> grab some tissues for this one am i right <laughs> uh so my favorite cutscene in the game for this, I just went with, you know, whatever came to mind first, and that mm-hmm. is the Sword of Sacrifice and Hollow Bastion. Like, iconic moments, top ten moments in the entire series. It's just so good. The music's great. Right. The story implications are huge. And it's, like, a defining moment for his character. So, what more could you ask for in a Kingdom Hearts key, uh, cutscene? Except for whatever's in your cutscene, which is... Which is the cutscene right before this one, actually! <laughs> It'll, it's more likely than you think. I think a few of our, our picks are actually very close to one another, so mm. it's very surprising going through and seeing what was what. But I really enjoy the, the prelude to Riku's final fight. So we go, we ascend, we beat up Maleficent Dragon Form, we know that you're not Riku! When we walk up the uh, the steps of the chapel, Goof gets knocked the hell out, and <laughs> yeah, and Riku recantsum, whatever you prefer to call him, is mm-hmm. like, <laughs> your friend's not here anymore. Leave a message if you can, and tries to kill you. Yep. But I like yeah, yeah, the the comedic bits. Goofy getting hit with the barrier. Donald trying to. T- Take on Riku Ansem Solo <laughs> and just getting thrown the hell out like nobody's business. Getting and smashed. <laughs> exactly. And it's the it's the prelude to, to Kyrie to, to Sora's sacrifice of like Kyrie's yeah. inside Kyrie's of me? Inside me? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and like it is it's essentially, you know, the big twist of the game. Like we find out Ansem was the real villain all along. Ooh, yep. Definitely solid choice and it pairs well with mine, like a like a fine wine. It's perfect. I think one of my favorite lines I do love uh, Kingdom Hearts filled with the power of darkness, but this is like my second favorite of like or on par of like uh, very similar, it's just like leading me to it's right before Sora blocks 
Riku's Keyblade of like, lead yep. me into everlasting darkness. Cue the Evanescence track. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, good choice for sure. Lots of good ones. Kingdom Hearts is well known for its cutscenes. I think that's a huge part of why people love it so much. So a lot of valid choices here for sure. But next, a little a little bit of a lighter category, but uh, favorite battle quote, as in favorite line of dialogue from when you're fighting, basically. And this can come from either Sora or a party member or, you know, a boss NPC or what have you. But basically something that someone shouts when they're in the throes of combat. <laughs> what was your choice? So my one's kind of a cheat a little bit. It's one of the victory quotes after you defeat a round in the Olympus mm. Coliseum. Because I couldn't oh. really think of a battle moment that I really... There's not one that sticks out to me. I guess I'll allow that, since I'm making up the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, technically, it's not incorrect, because it's at the end of a battle. But uh, Sora, I think, has three voice lines. Goof, all, all the boys have three voice lines uh, after the end of a... Uh, you beat a scene in the Olympus, which my one is, That Duck! I have no reasoning as to why I love it. I just think... Wait, it, which one? <laughs> it's when Donald just yells, That Duck, and I. Now that you say that, I'm nervous that that's not the actual quote not... he says. <laughs> what does he say then? Tell me. I mean, I guess there's no way to know for sure, but I'm 90% sure he just says, "Take that." <laughs> okay. To me, I've always heard as that duck. That duck. Well, all right. Well, I'm gonna try to hear that the next time I do some Coliseum fights. Because I mean, if that's what you've been hearing this whole time, then. I understand it. That's it's uh, it's an iconic line. <laughs> it's it's the sin harvest heartless angel yep, to argue much. it all over again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna take that away from you. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's amazing. I don't know, it makes me laugh every time. That's all, that's that's why I remember it. Yeah, I mean, you know, all of Donald's lines are like fifty fifty coin flip of what is he actually saying so it's true true oh <laughs> uh, yeah so mine was this was kind of a tough one um because as i mentioned earlier giant ursula well i guess any of ursula's boss lines are pretty pretty excellent but um mm -hmm. the one that always comes to mind for me first of like why i love kingdom hearts cheesy battle dialogue <laughs> Uh, is Maleficent's Meteors of Heaven Unleash My Fury Just <laughs> It's so over the top and extra and it's Extra, like, extra <laughs> Yeah, it's just like there's no reason for her to just go that all out but she, she just enjoys the theatrics of it all <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> She's just having a great old time up on that floaty pedestal Hmm <laughs> But yeah, any of the characters' lines are just so good to me. Like, just like things that like, when you stop and think about it, it's like, why are you saying that? Like, <laughs> like one that comes to mind is in Dream Drop Distance, Pariku is um, when you just randomly during fights, like if you pull off an attack, he'll just say sorry. <laughs> like, sorry. Sorry. And so cocky and like, <laughs> just a fuckboy attitude, basically. <laughs> uh -huh. And yeah, they're just stealing themselves, and it, it just gets you pumped. Yeah, uh, good stuff. More, more to say on that in Cage Two, because Cage Two definitely has a lot of good ones, especially with the introduction of Organization Thirteen. Oh so. yeah, as, as soon as you said Cage Two, I can think of literally like a 
I five of them right off the bat. <laughs> oh. Alrighty, next up, and this is a tricky one. I don't know what yours is yet, so I'm curious what you said. But uh, favorite sound effect. This this is the one that I had to think about the most. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it could be anything from like you know just like small things of like interacting with certain things to like you know hits of a keyblade to like the sounds of certain attacks. You know, heartless sounds like. Anything that's not spoken dialogue, basically, mm-hmm. or music. So I'm very curious what yours is. Yeah, this required a lot of thought, but I thought the one, the one that stand out, the one that I think I do love the most, is the firing of the Thunder G. So your basic, mm. uh, your your basic gun you have on the Yugami ship. Huh. Okay, that's an interesting. I was one. I was thinking of key Keyblade keys, but I couldn't tell you one. That stood out above the rest. I think I like them in general. Mm-hmm. But that felt like too broad of like every keyblade, a sound effect hit ever. So yep. I was like, what's something more singular? And I think the, the firing, the, the fire noise, Thunder G, I think just. I couldn't tell you why, but. <laughs> no, that's definitely a good. Okay. Yeah. It's a solid laser sound effect for sure. Especially because you'll be hearing it a lot because I imagine most people just hold their thumb on X the entire time during a gummy route. As you should. <laughs> and do you also try to shoot in the rhythm of the music? <laughs> when there's nothing on screen, I'm bored as hell. Of course. Yes. 100%. Yeah, that's a good choice. Okay. Awesome. So mine is or a lot more basic, I guess. And it's just the, I guess you could say, the item get sound effect. Specifically, what kind of made me think of it is when you, whenever you get a keyblade or a spell during a cutscene and then it cuts to that black screen and it's like, Sora got so-and-so, and then it'll just have mm-hmm. the little twinkle sound of like the... To me, that's just, like, one of the iconic Kingdom Hearts sound effects, and specifically because it's a Kingdom Hearts 1 sound effect. Like, I don't mm. I don't think it comes up in any of the other games. So, like, that's yeah, my knowledge, me, yeah. It's just, like, nostalgia of, like, uh, that, like, nice positive reinforcements of, ooh, you just got something really nice and cool, and <laughs> it's just good. <laughs> that's what a good I don't get sounds, like yep. this. I think of this one, I think of Pokemon... Like, it's like you got something important just now, didn't you? (laughs) Like, yeah! Yeah, game I did! Yep. Shoutouts or honorable mentions to um, basically any of the pause sound effects. So, like, you know, hitting the pause screen, scrolling through it, confirming, going back, just all of that. It's just, mm. but I'm pretty sure that's pretty standard throughout the whole series. So, wanted to give some Mm -hmm. more KH1 specific love, but. Yeah. I do love all the pause menu tunes. Alrighty, just a few more awards to hand out tonight. Next up is Favorite Ability. So, I define this as which ability am I most excited to get? Mm-hmm. And I'll just give a shout out to my honorable mention, Scan. But because <laughs> that one becomes so True. standard throughout the series, like it really shouldn't be an ability. Correct. I f- yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go a little deeper and it's kind of basic, but I chose MP Rage. Again, mage life. But when, like, whenever I see this on my little level up screen in the corner, I'm like, oh, yes, we've made it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now the game can really start. So, yeah. 
Especially once you get two of them, like, mm, you are, you're living free, my friend. <laughs> no, that's, it's, it's a good one. I saw that and I was like, that's such a Kevin, a yep. Kevin answer. That's how I know it's genuine. Yes. What was, what was your favorite? My favorite, so, my initial response was going to be Leaf Bracer, just because of how valuable Leaf Bracer is. Mm. And I was like, you know what? It definitely is my favorite of like, oh, finally, yes, it's a, it's a sigh of relief. Yep. But I was like, for Cage 1, well, yeah. for this play, well, we played the final mix just now, but like playing through the original copy and not having access to it, I was like, you know what? I may shift that to a different, or like I'll reconsider in Cage 2, but we'll see about that. So I was like, what's something more unique? What's something I really like? And this playthrough. I didn't use it a lot. And this that is probably this is probably more of an association with the fact that I recently got this, and mm-hmm. it's just like it's the fresh shiny thing in my mind. But mm-hmm. the gravity break finisher, mm-hmm. uh, I really like it. So yeah, it's one of the it's one of the uh, solo ones. I think it's for doing um, no, I think it's time trial. I think it's the Herc time trial Hercules mm-hmm. Cup time trial reward. But the fact that I think it reminds me of Explosion from 2 a whole lot. I think mm. it's similar. There are mm. big, some big balls show up and they hurt the enemies. But the fact that when I looked beyond, one, it's a very, it's a very nice looking, very active flourish, which is always nice. Yeah. But then, uh, the fact that it basically casts gravity for free and mm. it's based on mm-hmm. your strength, not your magic. I was like, oh, yeah, oh. Going on there. yeah so that's, uh, I was like, you know what? That's, that's, again, things that stick out the most. Yeah, definitely any ability that gives Sora a new attack, just because his combos are so straightforward in KH1. So, solid yeah. choice. Yeah, I tried not to pick any of the limits, so I didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, if we're going limits, definitely strike raid, but yeah, mm-hmm. I also wanted to veer from that territory. Yeah, if I were to pick something else, I think I'm going to pick Sliding Dash. I think Slide and Dash became very invaluable in this playthrough. Yeah, I I was considering Slapshot and a similar notion of like, wow, mm-hmm. this is Same. more useful than I remember it being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, next category. Best Disney character who appears outside of their own world. So basically, surprise Disney appearance, uh, whether it's yep. a character in Traverse Town or a summon or whatever. But basically... They only exist as themselves. They are not part of any specific world. Mm-hmm. So, my answer, good old Chernabog, because I think it was just perfect timing just to have this giant monster of darkness appearing at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. A semi-final boss of, like, what even is this right now? And the music track is awesome. Similar to Giant Ursula, he's got the scale going on, so it's just that Kingdom Hearts magic of um I don't I don't know if we've talked about this, but I've seen I've been seeing some images floating around of like an earlier Kingdom Hearts one like advertisement like in a magazine, but like the the tagline was like you never know who you'll run into next. <laughs> and I think to me that's what this category is about. And I think Chernobyl yeah. espouses that perfectly of like, whoa. I was not expecting that. All right, Don Goofy, hold on to your britches. Let's get this done. Good stuff. I think so, yeah. that's. I mean, that's the perfect example, I think. Yeah. And would would you look at that? Chernobog is also my answer! <gasps> oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, he good. Like, I kind of want him to come back. 
Well, technically he does. Um, yeah. But like, I kind of want him to have a bigger role, but I also think it's special that he's just kind of like a little one-off thing. In exactly. Mode, yeah, like, so. We don't expect to encounter him in the end of the world. All of a sudden, you, you jump into yep. this uh, pit. And you're like, I can fly. Cool. And then you descend. And then the, the night on Bald Mountain starts to play. And then Chernobog emerges. And it's just like, ooh, I did not expect this. And ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. <laughs> Exactly. All right, just two awards left. Who will be the winners? Well, did we cover did we cover best doll and goofy moment? Because I highlighted it, and I'm not sure if you. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> the, we seem to be having some technical difficulties here. Uh, the winner is uh, Adele Dazim. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Uh, best Donald and or goofy moment. Meaning it could be either a Donald movie moment specifically, a Goofy moment specifically, or the two of them bantering specifically. So, yeah. which, which route did you take? <laughs> so, it is when you encounter, after you lose the Keyblade, and you encounter your friend, your friends again. Mm -hmm. Sora, we, we, we memed on this when we had our Hall Bashing episode, but the fact that Sora is like... I don't need I don't need weapons. My friends are my power, but you know what? Weapons are still cool. Yeah. Uh, and then Riku's like, "Ah, you're an idiot. You believe in the light." And he tries to kill you, and Sora's like, "I forget everything I've learned over the course of nine worlds." <laughs> but then Goofy blocks him, and he's like, "I'm not uh, going to uh, abandon uh, Sora neither." Yeah, that's uh, probably best. Goofy specifically, probably his best moment in the game for sure. Oh, I think it's so. just. Totally encapsulate his character. Just friends to the end. <laughs> and also, he literally ends it with, Donald, tell the king I'm sorry! Yeah. <laughs> See you later, Donald. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. So I, on the other hand, chose a Donald moment. Mm -hmm. One of the funniest moments in the game for me. It also involves Riku. It's the Triverstown second visit when Riku shows up and Sora's all head over heels for his boyfriend, I mean, I mean, best friend, and <laughs> he's like all giddy and ready to, you know, recruit Riku, and he's like, "You're coming with us. We have this awesome rocket." And then Donald's just flat out, "No, <laughs> <laughs> he can't come." Yeah, why not? He's my best friend. I don't care. <laughs> Donald is the um, <laughs> he's a, <laughs> but he's the uh, we have Riku at home. We have Riku in the gummy ship. Yeah. It's you. You've Riku this entire time. We don't need another one. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I just love how Donald always comes in to, like, basically throw some, some reality on the situation for a minute. Like, no, here's what's actually happening. <laughs> and he, he has a lot of moments like that throughout the whole series, really. Definitely. Better. You say that, and I think of, because I chose a goofy moment. If I had to uh, pick a Donald moment that sticks out of my mind, it's uh, when Goofy's talking and Donald rips the feet like Lily. Only yep. almost fourth wall breaking takes the camera view and then yanks it down to his level. Yeah, that was definitely a runner up for me. Like, it just feels like Donald's having his own little adventure. Like, he's like in a totally different show than everyone else. Where like <laughs> the laws of physics do not apply to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, now for the actual final two categories. There we go. So this one's kind of amorphous, but it is the best interaction slash puzzle. Uh, specifically, like, 
uh, having to do with the environment. So best moments of like, you know, not combat where you have to do something to make a thing happen, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. getting a chest to show up or opening up a new path to somewhere or anything along those lines of like a little environmental puzzle. So mm-hmm. this is another tricky one. So I'm curious to hear what you picked because it's not mm-hmm. super obvious. Yeah. So this one is so minute. Well, it's not even so minute. It could have it could have gone so much further, but it didn't. But I do appreciate it. And it's mm-hmm. funny because it was in your description of what th- these things could be. It is the recipes in Deep Jungle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. I was definitely considering that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cue the uh, Lazy Town Bake a Cake remix song here. <laughs> um, easy to bake a pretty cake. Something like that, basically. But, like, you collect the recipe cards by, like, examining r- random crap, too. Like, the flagpole. Like, behind the record player. Um, yep. As a kid, I didn't think I completed this. So I kept I kept writing down the notes of, like, I don't know what to do. But oh, once you just... Yeah, I interact with everything, and then you go to, go to do the thing. And it's like, all right. Step one, open the oven. I'm like, oh, it's going to make me do everything. Okay, this is so much much easier. Yep. Um, And there's only two of them. So, like, you turn on the oven, you make a... I think you turn a potion to a high potion. And then the ice one, I think you can turn a potion to an ether, basically. They're they're super minute, but... I don't know, they just... Speaking of Deep Jungle, because I I didn't rag on Deep Jungle, but I was like, hey, not the best world in my opinion. But this Mm -hmm. is... I think one of my favorite puzzles of the game, yeah. Yeah, especially because it's so optional. Like, yeah, I'm sure most people don't really bother with it. But yeah, it's just like a cool little, oh, what's this now? So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was thinking for this category. So that's a solid pick. So mine, mine is mm, a little tricky to explain because <laughs> it sounds lame at first. But uh, it's the Atlantica Geyser. So once you finish, once you get the Crystal Trident from the ship, you can get the shortcut back to right outside Ariel's Grotto by going to like a little cavern. And then there's a geyser and you hit it and then it shoots the water up. And then what did you know it? You were underneath the giant treasure chest the whole time. And then you can come out right next to Ariel's Grotto. And that was my choice for a few reasons. So one... It is Sora having to interact with the environment and then that having an effect. So hit the geyser, ta-da, you have a shortcut. It's good world design, which is something pretty much no other Kingdom Hearts game really does well. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's just a clever way of the world looping back in itself, very Dark Souls-esque. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it just shows that like the world, like how the world is constructed in like a logical way, sort of. Yeah. So that's exciting. But also what kind of put it over the edge for me, was the fact that you can then open the chest and get an Orichalcum, and you didn't realize this. <laughs> I didn't! At all! So, yeah. yeah. So, for me, that was like, ah, oh, I mean, I guess it isn't super intuitive, but yeah, I mean, big old chest, gotta open it. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's an interesting touch of like, ah, here's a neat little moment. So, a hundred percent, yeah. Atlantica Geyser, come on down. <laughs> girl, girl. And then, our final category: best room in the game. So, we just had a whole discussion on our favorite worlds, but this is more specific than that. This is all about the singular room. 
enter it, fade in, fade out, and then it has the name, just that one single area. Which one's the best? What was your favorite room? My favorite is <gasps> the Traverse Town Accessory Shop. Ooh. Yep, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more lively when Sid is, about to say Sid is the bartender, when Sid's the salesman. But, yeah, for sure. Because then Gob- Gobby McGoober, Wallace, shows up. That's, that's his name now forever. Yeah, um, I forget what we named him. I, <laughs> same, I, I said that and I was like, you gave him a name because there's another character, there's another NPC who shares that character model in the first district. And he's like, mm. have you seen me recently? And it was like, it's the epitome of like, nah, could it be me? Yep. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, if uh, if Traverse Town is home, the, to me the accessory shop is the equivalent of like the bedroom or the living room. Oh, absolutely. A place of true comforts. <laughs> it's like again, we spawn in here because it's a save point. It's connected directly to the synthesis workshop and the fireplace as well. Like think yeah, the dumb little fireplace. I can turn it on, I can turn it oh, off yeah. with magic is. <laughs> It's always it's always been a good it's it's always been a good tag. Yeah, that would have been a good contender for the last category for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one, and it, it loops back to our very beginning discussion at this episode of uh, how much better would that room be if you could actually sit on the sofa? Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Give us full circle, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good one. Like everything you just said, but also, like, it's literally your safe haven during the first visits where, especially when the Heartless actually overrun the first district, Sid takes you under his wing, but also, it's where we meet Pinocchio. Yeah, even just the fact it goes, it has, like, the little details of, like, the actual display windows with all the accessories, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a, that, that is a good choice. And, you don't have to throw a rock far to hit my choice, because mine... Oh. Was the Traverse Town first district? Yeah. <laughs> so, but by your logic, if if this is the bedroom, then yeah, the first district is like the living room for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like I was saying of like what Traverse Town is for Kingdom Hearts. I mean, the first district is distilled even further of like this is what Traverse Town is, where it's got all the branchy paths, super cozy. It's like the brightest area, but like in a warm way. Yeah. You know, there's some postcards to find. You got all the NPCs. It's probably, yeah, that's the only room with the actual Traverse Town residents, I think. Yes. Yeah, we get Wallace. We get the, the chunky man who looks out into the distance before yep. Sid kicks him off and says, I need to open up my shop. Dumbo, get out of my way. Yep. And Foxy Lady and Titus. Titus, yeah. how do you want to say it? Uh, impersonator. It's also got the iconic candle puzzle. Yes. The Duck Boy Shops. It's where Sora first entered Traverse Town, so that alleyway is an iconic location. Mm-hmm. It's where we first see Donald and Goofy and their new outfits, and they're out and about on their mission. So, yeah, this room also comes up in later Kingdom Hearts, so it's, it's the best. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So... That does it for the Crowny Awards. Congratulations to all our winners. You'll be receiving a, a gift certificate to uh, to an Olive Garden in the mail shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that about wraps it. So yeah, in general, I guess we should wrap up our thoughts on the game as a whole. How has your opinion changed or stayed the same after this this deep dive of a <sighs> sixty-hour-plus playthrough on your part? <laughs> so here's the thing. Especially with going into our next entry, I I don't think I appreciated KH1 
as much as I should have. So yeah, I I apologize Page to the game. One was the girl in glasses sitting yeah. at the back of your art class all along? <laughs> and then she, and then this playthrough is the equivalent of her because we're if we're gonna run into that '90s trope of. Uh, Taking off the glasses and going, <gasps> going to get her hair done. All oh, of a no, sudden, she's I've been hot all along. <laughs> <laughs> I think out of the number, uh, the substantial titles. By substantial, yep. I mean I don't care to revisit Coded. I don't care to revisit exactly. Chain of Memories. Days I do like, but I really never want to replay it again. But we are going to replay it during mm-hmm. our playthrough, obviously. But in terms of the titles that I like. KH1 has always stood at the bottom. I think this has really helped me remember that uh, KH1 is a whole lot different. The fact the series goes in a completely different direction. Yep. Not a completely different direction, but from a gameplay perspective, really starts to leave this game behind, and I feel like it doesn't yep. really age well. It's still valid in its own right whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. It's no secret that it's my favorite in the entire series. Might be my favorite game of all time. That's still up for debate, but definitely like top 10 in terms of what it means to me. And I just find it endlessly replayable. Like this is at least my 10th time playing through it. Yeah, it just never gets old to me. Um, And everything you said about like, it's just unique. And the series doesn't revisit this type of uh, gameplay like ever again, really. (laughs) And at least in terms of like, you know, having worlds that you actually explore and just Instead of just being basically glorified combat arenas. Yeah. And yeah, just like the way, like, you know, the combat system, while simple, it, you know, it does have its own sort of ideas going on. Like this one is much more weighty than any of the other games where like you have to really pay attention to your positioning. You have to pay attention to, you know, when you're throwing out attacks because Sora is much slower. Whereas in most of the other games, at least, you know, in normal playthroughs, like you can pretty much throw out any attack without getting punished too much. But here you have to be a little more methodical. Mm-hmm. And like all the nostalgia bits obviously still hit on all the right notes. Like it's just like wrapping up in a nice warm blanket whenever I start a new file. Yeah. And also just the story, I think is the strongest of all the games. Cause again, it is kind of in its own lane where like, yes, the rest of the series is good question mark (laughs) um in terms of story and characters but for very different reasons where like from kh2 onwards it just becomes an entirely different beast of like what the story is actually about yeah and yeah i just like this one for being a much more simpler and cleaner story (gasps) he said it he said the words i did it i did the thing you know the stakes are clear you know what sword's objective is the characters are all well defined and it's much simpler in the grand scheme, but there's still a lot of depth, you know, that was there to spawn an entire series. <laughs> yep. I mean, I could probably keep gushing for like 30 more minutes, but she'd stop somewhere and... Your battery's yeah. not going to allow you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, in my estimation, like my opinion hasn't changed too much from when I first played it, just because, you know, I've always loved it. Yeah. For like this recent playthrough anyway, but... um. Yeah, no, it's been super fun revisiting and taking an even closer look at everything because it, it's definitely given me some new things to chew on and to think about, and I'm sure you feel the same. You can't, we can't forget where we started. We can't forget where we... Uh, <laughs> let's start from the bottom. KH1 is definitely not the bottom of the franchise, but we can't yeah. forget where we first took our leap. Yeah, you, you, can, you can take the boy off the early PlayStation 2, but you can't take the early PlayStation 2 
out of the boy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta embrace your roots, Sora. Oh, also, yeah. um, this is my favorite Sora by far, like both in terms of his characterization and how he's written. You know, he's got a bit more tood here than the rest of the series. And also, mm-hmm. I, this is my favorite performance of, like, kid Sora. And again, it, it's probably by default just because everything else is older Sora. Um, mm-hmm. So I just like this one for, for standing out and being its own thing. So Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can agree with... I can, well, I want to say I think he's my best, but it's... <laughs> It's gonna be such a funny whiplash going into Recom because he's because he's KH one Sora model, but he's KH two Sora voice. Yeah, it's it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll always defend Kingdom Hearts one. Like I've noticed recently, there's been like kind of a resurgence of Kingdom Hearts one support amongst the community, where Mm. it's kind of it's almost becoming counterculture at this point to say it's not the best. It's it's still definitely weighted in KH two's favor, but people are much more vocal about KH one being really good. Yeah. And my my flag has always been firmly in that camp for all the reasons we've described over the past, you know, 40 hours or so. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. I will continue to love it. It will always be a part of my heart. With that being said, it's, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to continue our journey. So... <laughs> This is just the beginning. Every journey begins with a single step and a clown yeah, shoe. Yeah, in big old clown shoes. And then every step forth whence is just worse and worse for Kevin, unfortunately. Yeah, we have many, many peaks and valleys ahead of us, but... Yep. Yeah, next week we will take the dive into Re-Chain of Memories... Talk about trips down memory lane. Literally. What? You'll have to <laughs> listen and find out. <laughs> AKA Kingdom Hearts 1. Again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yep, we will begin a new a new chapter next week. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be much quicker than Kingdom Hearts 1. I definitely do not want to spend another 20 episodes on Chain of <laughs> Memories. God help yeah. us. We'll have to... I mean, next episode we'll literally talk about how we're going to proceed through Chain of Memories in our format, because World to World is not going to work for Recom as it did for yep. 1. I feel like it'll work better for our big... Uh, most of our numbered titles, and yeah, then exactly. some of the spinoffs, but, uh, but yeah. So uh, we're going to Announce our new formats, which means we have to play yeah. through a decent chunk of Chain of Memories and figure this ish out. Yeah, but let's let's just enjoy this moment of peace of having finished Kingdom Hearts 1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a it's been a heck of a twenty episodes. We really appreciate everyone who's stuck around. Apparently people care about yeah. what we think. <laughs> exactly yeah first game I, I was I, I don't know I was curious how long and when we would get here if we ever got here and yeah. it's here now so yeah, that's a game of the books mm-hmm. we'd love to celebrate this momentous occasion by hearing from you the loyal listeners you know, as I said, you know, tell us your world rankings or share your memories about the series so far. What do you like or dislike about Kingdom Hearts 1? Uh, definitely give us some of your answers for the crowning awards. I'd love to hear what other people think. Yeah. You can reach out once again at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. K-H. 
bhpodcast at gmail.com, which you can find in the description. Mm-hmm. And if you liked what you heard, you could support us by, uh, let's see, rating, reviewing, and subscribing, and sharing with friends. Uh, you know, spread the word, the more the merrier. Tell your friends about us. Maybe they will love us, and maybe they will hate us, but we'll take it either way. Yeah. Maybe! The more eyes, or the more ears on the podcast, the better. So, yeah, I think that does it for shilling, anyways. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, thanks again so much for listening. And remember, you will be the one to open the door to the light. All right, to the gummy ship. And away! Beow! Except not really, because the gummy ship <laughs> does not come back next game. We don't have it anymore! Damn! What do we park the gummy ship, guys? Shit! Yeah, well, Donald, uh... You uh, try setting up the alarm or something? Uh... <laughs> Somewhere in a scrap, people you hear is the pick pick. <laughs> Alrighty, bye bye everyone. Alright, bye for real. Bye bye.